1: David Flynn, and the programme is Save the Nation, producer Charlie Noble, and I'm delighted to say that our guest today is a very special guest, that is the royal editor of the London Evening Standard, Robert Jebson, very well known to Australians because he so often appears on our screens and the screens of America, and no doubt many of the world's other television systems because he has such an authority on royal matters. He's written a whole library of excellent books about the royal family, probably the world's authority par excellence. And one of the wonderful books that he's written is uh, about King Charles, King Charles III, written after the king uh, rose to that position. And it's uh, King Charles III, The Man and the monarch, Monarch Revealed. And it is really a wonderful book I would thoroughly recommend it to all readers because it sets out very much the sort of information we want to know about King Charles. So welcome, Rob, and thank you very much for this.
0: Oh, it's a pleasure. Pleasure to be on your uh, your programme. It's quite interesting, actually, when we talk about that book because it's actually called Our King, Charles III, The Man of the Monarch Revealed, Except everywhere, including America, except for in Australia where... The publishers, Alan and Unwin wanted it for their own reason to be called, not called our King, but to be called Charles III, then our King, the man, the monarch. So I, I, I suspect there's there's reasoning behind that, but um, you know we had to go along with it. But that that's, that that shows you, I suppose, there are people that are um, making moves uh, against uh, having a monarchical system. But at the same time, um, maybe it was just done for commercial reasons, but there we are. That's worth noting. (laughs) It's the only book where they they changed the title from (laughs) Our King to Charles III.
1: Well, yesterday I was doing an interview with one of the local channels. It was out of doors at Bondi, near where I live. And uh, while I was being interviewed, a fly kept coming up to me and attacking me. And I decided there was obviously a Republican fly <laughs> determined to upset the performance. Well, uh, Rob, you you are in a very special position and you could really assess the King's performance in his first year, which everybody is talking about. What what is your assessment, Rob, of the King's performance in this first year?
0: Well, I mean, I, I've been asked this before in Australia and I thought it was... A, a, I mean, personally, I think he's done an incredible job... To, to transition um, from Her Majesty's reign to to this reign and that transition period has been tough. You know, it's not been an easy thing to deal with, both emotionally as a son, um, but also he's had issues to deal with his his own family um, on the personal side. But in terms of as a monarch, I think he's probably done an eight or a nine out of ten. I said eight out of ten when I was talking to the Australian media before, simply because I feel it, it would have been wise... Um, to push for an, an invitation um, from Prime Minister Albanese, he obviously has to be an invite from the Prime Minister for him to go, even though he's still head of state, um, But and, and that the government here in the UK, due to Brexit, and due to the problems that have gone on in the previous three years or so, um, that Germany and France were picked as the first um, the State visit, So obviously, we've just experienced the state. We the state visit to France, which was postponed from due to the riots there earlier on in the year. We went to Germany first. So I, I mean, I think it must just be timing. I know that there is something in the in the pipeline um, ahead of Chagum, the Commonwealth Heads of Government Meeting in Samoa. So I suspect that the King and Queen will be on an extended visit to Australia, New Zealand, Fiji, I understand, and then uh, ultimately Samoa for the Commonwealth Heads of Government meeting. Um, we're not sure what order that will take place in because nothing has been announced, but it, it will take place. But I, I personally think that, you know, given where we are at this point in time, a trip to Australia or to um, Canada or New Zealand, probably between Australia and Canada, um, probably should have come first, but, you know, that's a decision for the British government, really, um, and for the king.
1: One of the problems which arose when Mr Keating announced that Australia was going to become a republic before the turn of the century was for the queen. And uh, we, we understand that uh, it made it very difficult for the queen to come to Australia because she didn't want to be seen as playing any role whatsoever in affecting the result of the referendum and the fact that uh, she obviously knew that the Republicans would carry on about uh, the visit and monarchists would be praising the visit. And I think, I suspect, she saw it might be divisive. Is, is a similar situation also in
0: play here? Without doubt. I mean, you've got it exactly right. They're looking... There's nothing to do with the in terms of a endearment between this the royal family... And the Australian people. There's no doubt that, the, that, particularly this king, who was educated in in Australia part part of the time, you know, absolutely loves his time in Australia, loves the frankness, the candor of Australian people, and there's always always has done. But politically, you know, he has to be invited um, and cannot interfere with the um, political situation. We saw all the hoo ha that happened many years ago, and you know that it, it's a matter for the Australian people, which is they all feel very passionately about and have spoken about um when paul keating pretty much politicized the queen um it was a bit of a cheap shot really because in many respects as australian people who understand the constitution know um that the queen and the and now the king are above that political position and um you know they're represented by the governor general usually a for many, many, many years now, a, a, a senior a member of, um, uh, well, usually Australian uh, um, establishment, either military or, or politi- political, um, and that the executive power lies with the, not only with the, the federal prime minister, but with the, with the, the, the um, states and, and, re- and territories around Australia. So there is no way, and as, as, the, as the king, when he was Prince of Wales, delivered that speech, and the Queen before, would ever want to interfere with the political system in terms of influencing uh, the Australian viewpoint politically. And they, and they just wouldn't. And that, I think, is a misunderstanding when it comes to um, the whole Republican debate, is whether it's what system you want. Do you do you want a presidential system like America um, or do you want a presidential system like in Italy or, or Europe or a constitutional a parliamentary democracy with a constitutional monarchy, which seems to have worked very well over over time. And I think that there's a lot of misconception by people about the whole system of monarchy, which is not... You know, it has a role to play politically, but it is there to service the, the, the democracy of, of, and to make sure there are checks and balances when it comes to political parties not riding roughshod over the people.
1: There was a very interesting letter published uh, about, uh, perhaps in the last year, it was uh, a letter by the former Governor-General of Australia, Bill Hayden. Bill Hayden had been the former deputy leader of the Labour Party, and what he was saying to the Queen is really warning her, suggesting that really, for Paul Keating, the Republic was a great and wonderful distraction, because it was distracting the Australians away from some of the problems that the Keating government was having, and there was also another advantage which I don't think Keating had realised he would have, and that was it worked as a wonderful wedge in the Liberal Party because uh, all of the media in Australia or most of the media in Australia was was saying the republic is inevitable, and that led to a number of Liberal politicians, not members of the Liberal Party, but Liberal politicians. Who jumped onto the Republican bandwagon, and the problem for for Paul, uh, for um, John Howard, and before him Alexander Downer was trying to hold the Liberal Party together. And what uh, what Downer did, and when uh, John Howard became the leader, he followed this, and that was he said he he killed it as an issue. It was a divisive issue. Well, I think it's
0: it's always very interesting. I think even the most um, Politically uh, ardent Republicans, when they become getting to power as Prime Minister, most of them um, realize they've got a lot more to do than worry about this particular issue because they've been given the controls of the train set. They realize that, you know, that unless you've got um, a particular need to get rid of the, the, the monarchy, that is not going to be your number one priority if you are a dedicated Australian and a dedicated. Um, um, politician who really believes in what he's doing because ultimately you've got to sort out the economy you've got to sort out employment you've got to sort out all of these issues that are really as you said rightly there I think the monarchy becomes a distraction but one thing I would say and I believe it wholeheartedly is before you look to change a system um, and it's something that comes up again and again in Canada too um then you have to have a, a very workable and fair um alternative that suits the majority what we've just seen in barbados where i remember being covering it for sunrise there with the the, the, the team is how the constitution of the country was basically completely changed overnight by the labor party that happened to be there who got a a sweeping majority in, in the House, which is fine, but not on the issue of monarchy, on the issue of the economy in Barbados. But then they utilised the position to change the Constitution to say as long as they had the majority vote in the House amongst MPs, that was it. Now, a number of older people, a lot of younger people, felt that was right. I think because of a... Personally, because of a... Um, a, a lack of understanding of, of constitutional monarchy means and parliamentary democracy, but also because there was a drive to do that, and a lot of people, including, um, well, including quite eminent people, quite annoyed because they felt that there should have been a proper referendum. So I think before changes are made, I think what's important, you know, and I, I personally like, I'm sure the monarchy. Um, the, men, the king and other members of the royal family would, would want, but also people that understand, as a journalist, as I understand this, I think there needs to be a clear system in place as to what the, what the replacement would be and, and how that would improve things um, politically. Because at the moment, there doesn't seem to be a, a proper alternative. Ultimately, I suppose the governor general position would become a presidential position but in this day and age, presidential positions sound more powerful than a prime minister, um, and that could cause its own conflicts.
1: Yes, uh, we fortunately, because of the British, were allowed to develop our own constitution, purely developed in Australia and then sent to London and put through the British Parliament, but one of the very good things was to require a referendum, and that referendum requires that you set out what the model will be. Now, the model that went to the election was not a good model and we, we suggested, we proposed that the question be changed. The question described how the president would be elected. We said it should also show how he can be dismissed because it would have been the only republic in the world in which the president could be sacked without notice, without grounds, and without any right of appeal, it would have turned the president into a puppet of the prime minister. So we well, had a number that, of Republicans who supported mistake. us.
0: That would be a terrible mistake, as we're seeing at the moment in America, where impeachment, which hadn't happened since Andrew Jackson, <laughs> um, uh, you know, well, we'd had uh, we'd had it with Clinton. It's now becoming a, a political tool that actually, you know, you've got to look at the um, the importance. Of the office, and not necessarily look at the, import, the the individual personalities. And I feel my feeling is that you know more and more we're seeing less statesmen, and we're seeing it's more to do with personality. And I think that is a danger because ultimately, um, in time, I suspect that there will be um, a, a change in Australia. But it has to be organized, and it has to be done with the absolute backing of of, of the majority not only in an overall vote but probably in each individual territory and um state um because there's going to be differences there um as well and there has to be checks and balances as well about you know quite sparsely populated places that support um the the status quo and ones where the populace is based in, in, in particularly tightly knit places so where Politically, things are different, so it's a difficult one. Um, But I think the constitution in Australia actually is is a very, I mean, from the outsiders may say it's complex, but actually it's not. It's it's um, it's been worked out very sensibly to suit um, a vast country in terms of geography, but not necessarily a vast country in terms of population. In
1: 1999, which was the date of the last referendum, uh. We, we had uh, all of the, almost all of the media were against us, most of the politicians, and there was a lot of wealth against us. But uh, the result was quite encouraging, or very encouraging, in that we won nationally. We won in every state, and you have to win in a majority of states. But in electoral terms, we also won in 72% of the electorates. Had it been an election, it would have been a massive landslide Uh, in our favour, so it was a very clear decision. There's also one other thing that uh, is not well known. I did some research because I was asked, well, what if the Republicans try again? I went through every referendum that has been adopted in Australia, and in the past, governments have tried to put, once a referendum has been defeated, they've tried to put it again. There were even cases where they had put the same question, substantially the same question, five times. On every occasion where the people said no, they continue to say no. It seems that when Australians say no, they mean no. And I I don't think they're going to succeed. The the present government has tied it very much to the voice referendum, which is about creating an indigenous voice to parliament. That is on all, all the opinion polls at the moment. It's in about a month's time that says that will go down. I always thought it would go down. They've said if that does well, then we're going to have a second republic referendum in our second term, which will be in about 25, 26. They won't have that referendum. I have no doubt that for the rest of this century we'll be living under the reign of Charles III and William V and probably George VII. I cannot see how they could get through another referendum. Australians will not accept it. They're, they're not unhappy with the role of the Crown.
0: I, th- I think what's important, and I think we, we've got to look at the similarities and the, con- the connections between the countries as well, and geographically, and we're a long way away, um, but, but in terms of um, the military and in terms of many, many associations through the Commonwealth as, as well, you know, through professions... Um, too. I think there's so many very important links, and also famil- uh, familial links as well. Um, and of course, over time, that, m- that may well change. Um, but ultimately, whatever happens when it comes to um, whether a monarchy exists continually in, in Australia, I, I think it-, it has to be very clear what, is- what the people are being asked. And they have to- and it has to be very well explained the monarchy will not sit there and start you know trying to defend their position that's not the way the crown would work the crown would work very very specifically to say it has to be the choice of the australian people and, and they've very, been very consistent on that um all the way through anything that's been said publicly about this but i think for fairness it needs to be the government and the media have to present it in a fair way not in a trivial way but in a very specific way in terms of dealing with the what will happen with the system of government and how this will impact upon it because i think even subtle changes to the position of the governor general being made a president that has a different feeling about it the governor general is there in that position and it's very clear to the australian people what uh, that person does and who that person is. I think if you change the dynamic, then that can have an impact both federally and also amongst the, the the states and territories who have obviously got their own premiers and their own system too. And so that has to be clear to the Australian people. There shouldn't be any dithering or hiding on this matter. Um, I think it requires proper debate Um, without people getting too emotional about the the personalities but just look at the system because it is the system you'll be changing and changing forever and I think people need to understand it's nothing to do with whether they like King Charles because he's older or they don't like him they prefer Prince William this is not an x-factor situation it's not to do with personalities and I, I remember asking the king when he was last in Australia and I there was a poll, I think, in The Australian that put him 18 points higher than he had been the last time he was there, which was quite amazing, really. And, and But he said, Look, I, you know, this doesn't have any impact upon me whatsoever because polls don't mean anything to me. I'm in it for the long term. You know, he's not looking at um, a finite time for when Monarchy ends in Australia. As far as he's concerned, he, he's there to serve, um, for as long as the people of Australia, the people of Australia, decide he's there to serve as king.
1: You, you say in your excellent book that he's a thoroughly decent man, a person of integrity, of honour, who's always striven to do his best as a public servant and try to put duty before himself. Uh, that, that seems to me to be a very fair summary, and uh, you still stand by that, I'm sure.
0: Absolutely, I do. And I I, I am a a journalist, uh, first and foremost, so obviously I can be constructively critical. And there are moments in the book where uh, I am constructively critical, not necessarily of the king, but of of some of the things that are going on around the the periphery of the, the, the royal family. I was not particularly overly keen on some of the misinformation put out by Prince Harry, even though people seem to think that uh, because he wrote it, it's the truth. It's simply not the case. But what I I would say is that the king is a human being and he'll do his very, very best, um, like his mother, Her Majesty, Her Late Majesty, and her father before him, before her, to serve the people. And I think that people should look at him as a public servant, not judge him over a failed marriage to the late Princess Diana, which was unfortunate, but it was a personal... um, sadness and catastrophe to him but it didn't impact upon his ability to be to do his job and to fulfill his role some people in the church started to question that many many years ago but it it doesn't and the fact is as a public servant i feel that you would struggle to find a better person of intellect integrity of dedication someone who is a workaholic almost who really deeply cares about the responsibility he has, and you know, when he's all out, when he's speaking to um, Australians all around the world, or when he's in Australia, I think there is a connection um, with the people, which which goes beyond the politics of the situation. You know, he said that when he went to school uh, in uh, Australia after quite a difficult education, I uh, think at. Um, Gordonston that they knock the pom out of it. You know, he, he really <laughs> understands the Australian uh, people and gets gets them, and understands um, the, what his responsibility to them is. And I personally think having somebody of his integrity, somebody who's spoken up so well on and been such a visionary on the environment, which now is really first and foremost in a lot of people's minds in terms of business, in terms of. Survival of this planet. He was his continuity and not worrying about whether he's going to be elected or not has helped make him a statesman on the world stage. You know, I think personally, I know a lot of Australian people would disagree with me, and I am, you know, <laughs> I am a palm after all. But the the fact is, I think it's good to have in this small planet somebody speaking on behalf of a number of countries who is a statesman. Speaking on behalf of, you know, the great Australian country of Australia, of Canada, of New Zealand um, and, and and others, as well as Great Britain, which almost shrinks the planet a little bit. You know, he's head of the Commonwealth, not an elect, not, an, um, not a hereditary position. But whilst you have somebody who has, has that vision speaking on in non-political terms, but about big issues, I personally think that's good for a country rather than maybe, you know, I don't know, a... Uh, a politician, a Paul Keating, or somebody who who wants to be a president would necessarily have. You know, there are obviously very eminent Australian politicians of the past, you know, um, John Howard and people, lots of people that that could hold that position uh, as president. But I'm sure there'll be a lot of conflict with whoever the prime minister is, because that person will have maybe a degree of of political nous as well, that makes it more difficult than having a monarch.
1: In your excellent book, you you also go into the king's problems, his matrimonial problems. It seems to me to be a little strange, as we ordinary people have become much more accepting of uh, relaxed standards in relation to matrimonial breakups and other problems, we seem to have increased the standards which we expect from the king and the royal family to a standard which would have amazed our ancestors, who were quite used to kings and princes of Wales gallivanting around and uh, not being as dedicated as certainly the current king is.
0: Do you find that well, the curious? king is a, he's a deeply religious? Man, actually, although you know he differs from being the way that the queen had when. She was a high church Anglican and she was somebody that I think we all uh, admired, whether you're a Republican or not, simply through her dedication and length of service. But um, And she was a very canny um, diplomat politician, if you like, as well. She would dance, but she could say a few words, which would certainly put people in, in there and uh, make them reconsider their position. Um, but I think with the king, he, you know, to judge him on what a foul marriage, it would be so pure, really. I mean, this is a man who, you know, he, he used to go, he's a deeply religious man, he's, he, and he understands a lot of um, other religions, too. And as a result of that, it's respected. But in this world that we live in, sometimes, just because he's well-read and he understands and read the Quran and has studied Arabic, some people then suddenly t- try to suggest he's not a you know, a fit person to be the head of the Church of England because he's he's a Muslim, or you know, it, it, people in the media. We have so many, many opinions now with Twitter or X or Facebook or it's not a matter of just writing to the editor and having your letter published. Um And I think as a result, we've cheapened the debate um and cheapened. You know, a little headlines have come out from things that simply aren't true. Where it used to be that it used to just be the 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 editors of newspapers that will be accused of this. Now people make, I think, sweeping judgments about things that really have not even been said.
1: Some of the people on the Conservative side, not many, uh, are critical of the King. Uh, For example, there was a piece in uh, Spectator Australia, which is the Australian version of the British magazine. And uh, this criticism is based on the King's involvement in climate matters, and the argument is, well, uh, this is a matter political. I've replied, I, I think that he doesn't see this as political, and not one prime minister, not one leader of the opposition in any of the realms of which he is king, would advise him to take a different position. They are all unanimous on this, although there is a goodly number of people who who are critical of uh, extreme uh, action in relation to climate
0: well the key, the key to the position of the king constitutionally is is it partisan and i would say that whatever political party you are if you let uh, if you are mainstream there's no way you're going to stand up um on the house in the house and say look it's all baloney you know we're gonna not have a we don't agree with trying to take some action on climate change. So he's doing nothing wrong politically by speaking out like this. I mean, years ago, of course, when he was Prince of Wales, he was accused of being mad or potty or whatever the expression was um, over over these views. But over the last half century, he's now very much mainstream. Um, and some of his ideas, I think, have been adopted. Many, many of his ideas have been adopted um uh, you know, to actually make a real difference to improve our chances of saving the planet and certainly saving species and, and, and marine life too. I mean, I think his views on the circular economy and the blue economy are are without doubt very, very important, and they're certainly not partisan. Yes, there will always be people, and we've, we've got it at the moment with Rishi Sunak having to pull back the British Prime Minister on some of the pledges he's made. But it doesn't mean ultimately that they are against, the government is against making difference with the environment. There will always be doubters and people that say that, you know, it's all um, nonsense. Um, but I think it, it's been pretty much proven that that isn't the case. And I think that whilst the king will not be perhaps as outspoken, he'll leave that more to the Prince of Wales, William, who's doing a terrific job with his Earthshot prize. I think if people look in... To that that he's going for um, a, a bid, I think. Which I was in New York with him, and just back from there, where he really is pulling together the movers and shakers of the world, dealing with the UN too, to try to find solutions for our climate problems, rather than talk in this doomsday scenario, but actually find you know promote and and reward companies that are making a real differences in this area, which is a a very positive way of doing things and again he will find people critical of him I, I, but at the end of the day i think that you know they are human beings who are allowed to have a passion saving the planet if it's seen as political well then so be it but i don't see it that way i think it's um it's uh, it's above politics
1: rob were you surprised by that recent u.s Gallup poll on public figures that uh, placed Prince William as number one, the person they were most impressed by, and uh, the king as number four, well before any American politician. Were you surprised by that?
0: I'm, I'm, I'm beginning to understand when the king said he paid pays no attention to polls, um, <laughs> because they, I think it, with polls, it's all to do with what questions are asked, and I think before they're even set about doing them half the time, they've already written the headline of what they want to achieve. but. And I was a little surprised. Um, I think it was slanted more against Prince Harry and Meghan after all that's been going on. And so it was quite positive for Prince William. He's a very decent guy. I think that whenever he's when he ever has been in Australia, I've been with him. He has, um, even before he married um, Catherine, um, has been very popularly received. And so personally, when I said that in the long term... I think Australia may well change. I wasn't talking in the immediate, <laughs> the immediate term. I think that, that the king will remain king, and um, I think he will be succeeded by his son. And I, th- I think who will be even will be very popular in Australia um, along with Catherine. I do believe also that they will they will make sure they they are they visit as often as they can. But you know, the reality is they are very, very, they're having a lot of bilaterals. I know that one of the first bilaterals that William carried out as Prince of Wales um, was with uh, Prime Minister Albanese. So, you know, it's very important um, to them, Australia. They they may not be living there or they may not be necessarily ever present, but um, everything from the military uh, associations to the Commonwealth links to political issues... Um, from the fires that have taken place to uh, other natural disasters, they're very much on t- in tune with what's going on in Australia and very well informed by the governor of the day. And although I think Mr Albanese is a um, Republican, um, I, I, he hasn't made it his priority so, so far to be pushing this referendum. I think even he realises, with the change of quite a number of Australian prime ministers, recently, that you've got to get your economics um, right, and the, the, um, the, 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 the making sure that the Australian people are um, doing well economically and financially is the priority.
1: Yes, uh, I think our politicians haven't behaved very wisely over republicanism. The Prime Minister, for example, establishing a, a portfolio. Held by an assistant minister, the assistant minister that was the the I mean, that that was ridiculous, and also attaching the republic referendum to the current referendum on the voice, which means that you can hardly say, oh, "Well, we're but not going to." Yeah. Yes, you can yeah. hardly now say we can't go ahead with it until he gets this current one over. And the well, new... one thing I
0: would say is quite recently I read in one of the Australian papers that, and it's worth clarifying this because it was. Com- to be honest was baloney was that the, 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 there was a report claiming that the king had spoken to Mr Albanese and was worried about going to Australia that's complete nonsense That is just not the case he he would take advice from from the prime minister who's supposed to give honest advice as to you know when it when it suits the Australian people he's not worried about going to Australia um, and the reaction that would be against him far from it, it you know, he, he would go as soon as the invitation is extended, which would be seen as a politically correct time for him to go that, so it doesn't impact upon the um, the political situation, obviously, you know, the politics of the country. So I think that that was just a bit of um, uh, meddling by so either somebody who was leaking something from inside the government or just media meddling. As yes, I remember him delivering a speech when he said that... Uh...
1: Considering republicanism was perhaps a sign of maturity in the country. Yes. Uh, and the other problem in, is in New South Wales. In New South Wales the Premier, who's the Prime Minister of New South Wales, the Premier of New South Wales, very unwisely at the time of the coronation refused to light the sails of the Opera House. He could have just lit them in purple for, for a song. He's, he allegedly re- refused, or he said he refused on the grounds of Finance, which is ridiculous, because putting it, just bathing it in purple would have cost next to nothing. But uh, I, I just re- think it
0: was a mistake by him. Yes. I mean, ultimately, you know, the one thing that you know you got to remember when, I mean, my great grandfather fought the, in the First World War and the, and others in the Second. You know, when we were used to fight under the same banner and the flag, and I just think that this, you know, there was so, there's so many proud. Australians that have affiliations in that respect, that, um, you know, the Queen ultimately was the head of the armed services. She's the, the she's, and the he is now the King is now. And I think it's out of respect, uh, not respect necessarily, even to the person. Take the person out of it, out of respect to the position and what that position represents to, you know, the people that have. Um, the people, the people that fought for their, their families and for their country and under the system of the crown so i i think that it's a, it, it, some of them these things are a little bit cheap shots so i don't think that they need to be done i think political they're they're too short sighted because there are a lot of people who've got long memories and you know and it really matters to them when and and so i think the politicians should probably read a little bit deeper uh, and wider
1: <laughs> i think you've uh... You've pointed to a very significant issue, and it was one of the problems that I had during the Republic referendum. I was involved in the Constitutional Monarchist case. One of the problems was, and it was very difficult to answer, and that was complaints by people who said, listen, my my father fought with the British in the Second World War, yet uh, going to London, I find that uh, we're held up, we're held up with all the other people from countries... Which were never associated with Britain, while uh, the children of former enemies go through first through the uh, the lines. To me, it's it's
0: ridiculous. I I think that um, I think that they should change it. I think it's something that um, that should have happened immediately after Brexit. Australians, um, New Zealanders, anybody that where they have the the crown as the king is their monarch. They should be treated exactly the same as a british citizen i also believe that there should be better exchanges between students um, and i think that um, uh, there should be longer visas for people wishing to, to to spend time in the countries that's my personal belief that's not you know that because i think that there's so much continuity connection between um, these countries but if you have the same king then you should have many more more rights and one of those rights should be there should be no holding up At all uh, airports, there should be no. They should be allowed to stay much, much, lot, much longer, and um, and work. And I believe that that would be to the benefit um, of both all countries concerned. And there would be, and I think it would make a difference personally. And I, I, something that I think should happen. And I, I've often thought that it used to be the Foreign and Commonwealth Office. That's what it says it is. But this is more important than that. There should be. You know, if you're under the same... If you have the same king, then you are a realm of this... You are a realm, and therefore they should have many of the same rights. And, I, you know, five-year visas and things like that, to me, sounds exactly what should be happening.
1: Well, at least with Brexit, it means that the former enemies are not going ahead of those who come from other realms. Of I mean, which what's the king changing
0: is... there? And I, I mean, I suppose what I'm nearly... 60, but you know, I obviously have a lot of um, affiliations with all my, my grandparents fighting and you know, my great, great great grandparents. You know, with the, with the Queen's passing, we've now, like, she's the last monarch from that time. She served in uniform, and I suppose that there, is, and I've sensed this actually, having been in Germany when he, the King went there and um, been monitoring what's been going on in, in France, um, at the state visit, that actually things are moving in a different direction. There's a sense really that that is in the past, but you're never going to convince people of my mother's generation of that. Um, but the fact, the fact who, you know, was in the East end of London when it was bombed. So I, I feel that things are moving in a, in a more progressive way. um, But, you know, Europe still has the scourge of war, right? It's taking place right now, and it's never far away. So I think that where you're speaking the same language, where you have many associations the same, from the legal profession, teaching profession, um, to the military connections, I I do think that they need to be... um, They should be waiting in line, put it that way.
1: Rob, one of the charms of your book is that with each chapter you've chosen, you've chosen very well, if I may so, say so, uh, an appropriate quotation. And in the one on My Beloved Mother, which is the king remembering the queen, you have that wonderful extract, May flights of angels sing thee to thy rest. I thought that was, that was so wonderful when the king said that, using that, phrase, that line from Shakespeare. That, that was so moving.
0: I found, actually, and I didn't... I mean, having covered for um, Sunrise Channel 7 and for um, Good Morning America, the the death of the Duke of Edinburgh, which I found incredibly moving, but the the death of Her Majesty, which was almost like the perfect final farewell um, from Scotland all the way down, but the transition and the way that the king um, spoke and behaved you know we forgive him a few leaky pens um and began, you know he probably never slept for 36 hours or whatever so he was probably a little touchy. but his speech but that speech that he gave um his address to the to his address his first address was decisive it, it was moving the way he paid tribute to her late majesty was absolutely spot on, and quoting Shakespeare, we, I know that you know he's a great fan of Shakespeare, as am I, um, being taught in schools, although many people were probably trying to you know, ban it for whatever reason. Um, he, I think he moved a lot of people. He was decisive when he, he, named, he named his son immediately Prince of Wales and Catherine Princess of Wales. Um, but I think that when he quoted that, a lot of people just could see the the anguish in his eyes. When he returned to London from Scotland, there was a big crowd there from all over the world. I mean, I'm, I met many, many Australians who were there in London at the time, and you know, he, he was really touched by the response he got, um, and it gave him the strength to, you know, to keep going at a very difficult time.
1: You uh, quote Mark Boland from the Press Complaints Commission. I, I remember him. I, I used to be at the Press Council, so I got to know him well. You you say that he uses the description of the prince as dissident at heart. Is he a dissident at heart?
0: I think as Prince of Wales, he probably was, and you're allowed to be. (laughs) But as king, no, because you're sort of being dissident against yourself in a way. I think think a dissident at heart is when he was able to speak and be a bit of a dissident. You know, over the Chinese uh, state visit, he didn't turn up for the banquet and things like that. Look, I think as king, he realises they have two very distinct roles. um, And I think he's playing them very well um, at this moment in time and doing it authentically. Um, As for being a dissident, yeah, I think he doesn't necessarily always agree with the status quo. But as king, he's probably going to be less likely to say something about it apart from to his immediate family, perhaps, <laughs> or when he's throwing something at the television.
1: <laughs> Rob, I get the impression that there is a view in London that if Australia were to become a republic, and uh, probably a, a, a corollary that Australia will, but if Australia becomes a republic, Canada, New Zealand and uh, other realms will soon follow, and this will weaken the Crown at home. Is that a view in uh, the United
0: Kingdom, do you think? I personally think that they're disconnected because I think Canada probably won't. Um, just simply because of the setup that it, that it has um, and it doesn't appear to have any traction whatsoever. Out of all of them, possibly New Zealand, with the change in the system, um, it could be the first to go. They were the ones who, of course, wanted to change the flag. I mean, Canada, of course... Had a different, had to change of flag many many years ago, and then that that didn't really transpire. So I don't know. I I don't. Although Australia is the probably the most vocal on this issue, and the media, the most loud. Um, they're probably not as far down the line as as others, and we're going to see. I think we're going to see more in the Caribbean, um, um, and the West Indies than we are necessarily in the big the big um, established realms um, because I don't necessarily think that that is the priority for them because they have that autonomy I remember big being the king asked been speaking about Barbados and you know he was there I was there for the handover and he was very very adamant yes he had to I thought it was quite a sorry and affair it was just the way it was when it happened uh, it, it wasn't the jubilation. That, uh, I, don't th- I think it was a very political decision. It wasn't necessarily the people who wanted it. And it's a very small island. But it wasn't the jubilation that one would have expected. Uh, but he was very keen to say that the, the, the Britain must continue and the Commonwealth must continue to support Barbados because when things happen, terrible storms, terrible hurricanes that wreck the place... You know, they need the support. So he was very... He stressed that very much.
1: They promised uh, a referendum in Barbados in earlier decisions coming towards a a republic that they didn't hold one. But in those countries where they've had to have a referendum, which followed the Australian referendum, that is St Vincent and uh, Tuvalu, in both of those countries, they both... Followed what the Australians did. There was a no feeling at all in in St. Vincent for example The the politicians on both sides wanted a republic whereas in Australia At least John Howard and a select group of liberals were opposed to Not not that many of them showed their put their heads over the parapet, but in Australia we did have prominent politicians against a republic, but in uh, St. Vincent all the leading politicians were in favor of a republic the people still voted against a republic. I wonder what that tells us.
0: Well, I think that people are wiser sometimes than politicians, and they've got more understanding of a system than maybe politicians give them credit for. I remember being in Grenada um, with, or uh, uh, was it, one of, the, one of the, I can't remember exactly, remember, but I'm talking to the prime minister who was very much, uh, he'd been prime minister for 20 odd years, and um, they were trying to oust him, and he was much Republican. He suddenly changed his tune when, you know, because he, and he was one of the first to arrive and um, and greet the king. But it, 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 uh, I do think that politicians will, will basically are looking for, you know, they're looking to serve if they're honourable. But after a few years in position, they also want to make sure they're in position. They, they maintain their position, and that so a lot of things are said. And aren't necessarily delivered on, um, but I think the crown, ultimately, you know, in those smaller countries, is, is seen as above politics, and therefore there's another, and the, there's somebody else that would be there to influence um, decisions that make sure that they are looked after in terms of if there's aid coming to them, and they've they've done a lot. You know, the royal family would do a lot in terms of visits to those. Places. It's been, again, like, I think that, as you're saying with this referendum being linked with The Voice, a lot of issues over in the Caribbean and the West Indies have been linked with Black Lives Matter, for example, and that's confused the situation, you know, and reparations for slavery, for example. So a lot of that has been all poured, and poured into the pot, um, and, and it gets away from then what the what the issue really is about. You know, do you want to replace want to replace a system? And actually, when people look at it, most people don't because the system has worked well for several hundred, you know, a few hundred years. Those people
1: who are critical of Britain over slavery seem to forget that slavery was a universal institution throughout all of the world. It's mentioned, for example, in the New Testament and the... It's only about being good to your slaves, not saying that slavery is a bad institution. It was the British, the British who, extraordinarily, with the uh, a campaign begun by the Quakers and some Anglicans, they, it, was a, it was something which the British put through Parliament. Not only did they uh, uh, abolish the slave trade for the British, but they abolished the institution and then they used the Royal Navy to stop the
0: transatlantic...
1: Slave trade. The is, I mean, you know, we, we all Operation.
0: agree that slavery is—it was abhorrent, and we all agree that you know. But you can't change history, and 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 history is is there to be um, judged. I just would urge people, whenever making statements about anything to do with these big and very difficult subjects and very emotional subjects. Um, just to read as deeply as possible or be as informed as you were rightly saying there, because I, I think you have to be very careful in, in making sweeping statements. But look at what the king has done. He's immediately said that there should be more research into this and has opened the doors for that to happen. Um, but yeah, like slavery in any form was abhorrent and terrible, but it shouldn't necessarily be used to rewrite history. Um, and... People throughout history have done pretty terrible things um, and all we should be doing is making sure we keep an eye on history and learn from it rather than try to, to, to rewrite it, it in, in a modern script. And the people of today
1: can hardly be responsible for what happened in another century to the descendants who, who did not suffer. From what happened, even if they feel that
0: it's all wrong, and even like you know, even if they wish they could, they can't. There's no time machine. Uh,
1: And coming back to the king and visiting Australia, do you that there is going to be a? There's a possibility. It is said next year because it's the 200th. This is extraordinary. The 200th anniversary of the Legislative Council in New South Wales. It's the upper house now of the Parliament. The, the extraordinary thing is the New South Wales Parliament is one of the oldest in the world for such yes. a young country. And I, I think that uh, some of the members of that parliament uh, are thinking that perhaps the King will come to Australia to celebrate that occasion, which would be a I wonderful think he will. I,
0: th- I think it's the right time. I personally urge, but I don't necessarily think that would happen, that the Prince of Wales should join him. I think, um, I think it's an important time. Um, to show commitment, um, but I think what will happen is the King, um, God William, will come to Australia, or come to New Zealand. He'll go, he will then go on to Fiji and then attend the Commonwealth Heads of Government Meeting in Samoa. So I, I have no doubt that that will happen. Um, he will go to, before that; he will go to Kenya on a visit, um, which I think is quite poignant, given that's where Her Late Majesty became Queen. Um, and um, but I think that there, there'll be future visits too by the Waleses, um, and I think they'll be very popular. And I'm sure that George, Charlotte, and Louis will be joining them. But but next year it has to be the King, and it and it will be the King and Queen that come to to Australia, and I'm sure they'll also go to Canada, and I'm sure they'll also go to New Zealand. Um, very important part, you know. The, he, you know he loves coming to Australia apart from the jet lag, <laughs> which leaves him, I think, was the word discombobulated, which
1: I think is a lovely <laughs> word. You mentioned Fiji, and I remember that that was a... The occasion of Fiji becoming a republic was one of the rare occasions when the Queen made a statement of her own volition in which she lamented the fact that the Fijian people had not been asked to for their position on this. When you're in Fiji, you will no doubt possibly interview General Rambuka. Will you be suggesting to him that perhaps rather than apologising to the Queen, as he did, the correct thing to do would be to now run a referendum on the issue?
0: Well, the only thing about the they're big guys, these Fijians. Is, <laughs> I mean, whether I suggest that, you know, they, I, as you guys have just realised, it's it's not easy playing rugby against them. So... Uh, I'll probably just keep my head down to be honest when I get a PG because, and, and try to survive drinking the carver. I think that'll probably just about be my limit. But look, yeah, it's an important issue because, of course, the the, the queen took all these things incredibly seriously. Mm. Um, seriously, she's very. I mean, the most important thing I think that I would stress to anybody that has any views on changing systems and sweeping systems is to read as widely as possible. And it's great that it's 200 years for that, um, that, legislation, that, that you know, for the New South Wales Parliament. Doesn't that show you something, that, that, that how Australia has developed um, over years whilst embracing a system that has worked well for Australians? Um, and it's a system that's based upon, um, with its own tweaks, um, the British system... Which, of course, had to come out of its own republic, I mean, you know, the interregnum of Oliver Cromwell. So they've learned a lot over the years. And I think that, that the fact that it's 200 years old is something that should be celebrated um, in, in a way that we should, you know, we really should be celebrating because it shows uh, that democracy has functioned well and, and developed over that those two centuries.
1: Well, uh... And in relation to Fiji, there was an extraordinary link. And I've noticed it myself when I've been there. Extraordinary link and respect and love for the royal family. Mm. And I hope it's continuing now. It'll be interesting to see what happens when Charles goes there, whether the same love continues, the same relationship continues between the, the people and uh, and the royal family.
0: Oh, I think they will be. I mean, I remember also being in other Pacific... I mean, uh, I went with him to Vanuatu and um, and Tonga with William and, oh, sorry, Harry and, and Meghan. It was incredible. But I remember flying back on the, and I think it was the Prime Minister of Australia's jet, and that's when I had a good long conversation with the King. I was invited invited to the front. Julia Bishop was on that. I was Foreign Minister at the time, and there was only a few of us on the plane. And that's when um, I really benefited from um, having, I didn't read one of these books, but I read one of these books about his views, and it was very interesting because you can have a very meaningful conversation having um, listened to hours of him reading his, this book out, you know, um, and it was interesting getting his take on many many things, um, and, and including I think I said I, I did like his his sense of humour when he he cracked a joke about. Um, uh, he did, in one of his speeches he spoke about wearing budgie smugglers you know to necessarily <laughs> quite a laugh a laugh from it um but then he said to me i remember he says, but i've never owned a pair of budgie smugglers in my life which i thought it was just the way he delivered it maybe very it just made me chuckle but uh, we should always remember that you know this is a man that was raised on the goons so although he comes across as very serious and and um and he cares deeply about what he does he is a human being and he has a very he, like, slightly eccentric sense of humor um but he is a very funny man too
1: well uh, you have been very generous with your time rob we do appreciate it and your book our king charles the third the man <laughs> and the monarch revealed is to be strongly recommended to all listeners if you want to understand the king But in Australia, what he's doing.
0: Is, in Australia, because of the publishers Alan and Unwin, it's Charles the Third, our king, <laughs> the man of the world. So, I mean, there we are. That was that was the only change in the only part of the, uh, the world um, that they changed the title. But uh, there we are, <laughs> well, <laughs> for whatever reason. But I don't care as long as, as long as people read it and get a better understanding of uh, my king uh, and and choose whether. I mean, there's one line I, I always say with it and I think it's something I wrote actually about him and I, and I say that the king is is not concerned with power um he's he he's more concerned with, with leadership um and he, he doesn't it, it's the, the bottom line for him is, is he it's not about power it's about being a leader and it, and it's up to others whether they decide to follow him it's not' it's, there's no nothing about power in this, it's about
1: leadership. I was talking to a member of the Legislative Council, the same council which will be 200 years old, and he was saying that uh, he was, when young, a Republican, until he came across that, uh, that conclusion, that saying, and then he realized the role and importance of the Crown, and that saying is, the Crown is important, not so much for the power that it wields, but the power it denies others.
0: So this that's is so very important, important.
1: and that's, that you... that's,
0: that's fundamental. See, that is that's the point, and where we've seen um, different statesmen, and we have issues, and we only have to look to America at the moment, where there's all sorts of a very split country. Right down, there, I think that monarchy gives you the chance to heal after uh, after an election which can be very brutal because you have that continuity and one thing i noticed at the time there was so much flux and change going on politically at the time of her majesty's death that the the transition of the crown actually was very smooth and gave people in this country and i hope other countries too a, a sense of calmness because it was that continuity um that an people would get through this rather difficult time. I mean, if a president was to die in office, it would lead to political um, problems for a while and and a lack of decision-making. And I think that that is where the Crown is actually helpful because it's, it's seen as a... Particularly in this country anyway, but it's seen that it's there as a constant, even while you have... Changes in political view. Oh,
1: I agree with you. I, I think I used to think that, just seen objectively, Westminster and Washington probably both delivered sound government or could deliver sound government. But the problem is, if uh, if you want to remove a president, he's virtually irremovable unless he agrees to go. Because no president has ever been successfully removed. Only only when he has consented to it. And then you're stuck with the succession, which is fixed. And there's nothing, nothing in American history like the smooth change that perhaps is best exemplified by the movement from Neville Chamberlain to Winston Churchill. It was done so quickly, so smoothly, and without any serious problems, it was done by virtually consensus. And that and the that only is, other
0: time that we look at removing of effectively a, a presidential figure um, in, was the removal of um, in, in Germany by Adolf Hitler of the, cha- of the when he merged the chancellorship, yes. where the, the, effectively the president, you know, it's a different system in Germany now, which is a revolving door, and the president is seen as basically a, um, a figurehead. But there, where where he removed he removed it. And it led to uh, what we saw—the build-up of fascism and, and, and the rise of the Nazi Party—out um, of control. Even though it wasn't politically at that time, anyway, you know, it shouldn't have been in. It would never have got that level of power had it not been for that—that you know, that ability to take over the chancellorship and then just remove the the job. So. I think it's important, as you say at the very beginning of this conversation, Australia is looking to change the system, that they spend a lot of time getting exactly what that is going to be, So, and a lot of time explaining to the Australian people what it's going to be, but also to have the checks and balances in position um, so that there is no... Um, so it doesn't, the head of state position doesn't become a politicised position, because I think that would be to the detriment... Personally, um, uh, to, to Australia and to Australian people, because we've seen that over the last two hundred years, by looking at the legislature in in the new South, New South Wales, that the system has actually worked.
1: I think on those very considerable words of wisdom, I must thank you. You have been very generous with your time, Rob, and uh, wish that you continue in this very important role that you have of not only telling us about the personalities of those in the royal family, but also the importance of the institution. Thank you, Rob.
0: Great to speak to you. I hope to see you, David, when we're um, down in Australia and um, maybe come and talk to some of the people there We get if we get time. These royal state these visits are such a whirlwind. You never know, but yes. I, I, w- I would certainly like to sort of raise a glass with
1: you. I do, like, I do look forward to that, and thank you so much, Rob. This is ADH-TV. I'm David Flint. This is Save the Nation. And uh, it's produced by Charlie Noble. Until next time, thank you.